Hello, and welcome to Punching Out. Every week, we're here on Wayo Radio, talking about the problems people have with their work. Whether it's incompetent bosses or unfair policies, hostile workplaces or dismal paychecks, or anything in between, we want to hear from you. If you'd like to share your work problems with us, email us at punchingoutwayo at gmail.com and let us talk about them. Tune in and punch out. Your boss isn't listening, but we are. Hello and welcome to Punching Out. I'm Ryan Brister and I'm joined today by Kadeho Jones. Hi folks. How's it going? Today we're talking about free speech in the workplace. Why are we discussing this? Because the President of the United States doesn't believe it should exist. Specifically, he weighed in on the football players who are kneeling during the national anthem in protest of this country's ongoing crisis of police brutality. The President said that if he owned an NFL team, and he has tried to buy one in the past, he would fire players for their protest. The president said these things on a Friday night, and his words were the center of media attention throughout the weekend. On Sunday morning, his Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin gave what I think is a very telling quote. This isn't about Democrats. It's not about Republicans. It's not about race. It's not about free speech. They can do free speech on their own time. Another way to put this would be that free speech does not apply while on the job. Free speech does not apply for workers. The thing about this quote is he's not exactly wrong, but he isn't right either. Yeah, I think the way to look at it is to say that he's it's he's not legally speaking wrong, but the whole concept of it is unjust to begin with. Right. It's the Constitution says, as my professor always reminded us, you know, Congress shall make no law. The NFL isn't Congress, thank God. Yeah. Um, there's a difference between what you are legally allowed to do as an employer and what you should do as a human being. Yeah, right. The other angle to take on this, too, is that there are laws that have been passed in certain states. I know uh, we read an article leading up to this talking about, I believe it was on the, in the New York Times. Correct. The talking about how some states do have protections of people for their right to speak out. And I think... And specifically about politics, too. Yeah, especially politics. But, I mean, in general, just a thing, but especially politics, is people should be protected to speak out. Right. Um, the article we're talking about was in the New York Times in 2015, and the headline was, Speaking freely about politics can cost you your, dro- your job. If, and it reads... If you're a non-union private employee, your boss has great latitude to control your political action. As Lee Tian, lawyer with the Electronic Frontier Foundation, put it, you don't have the right to speak freely in the workplace or even outside it. Yeah, um, I think there are a couple states that do have, strictly speaking, they mentioned them in the article, that do have some legal protections. New York happens to be one of them. California is another. But on the whole, it's not a thing for everyone, and that's a problem. Right. Workers, we believe, should feel free to speak out in the workplace, outside the workplace. There, there have been instances of workers fired for things they posted on Facebook, and some of those things are you know, offensive, they're wrong, but yeah. I don't believe that workers should be fired over something they do off the clock, Yeah, something they say in particular. Yeah. That's the, that's the thing, too, that I think you and I discussed, and that I've heard discussed with other people, too, is whether or not NFL players or workers and i'd say they are obviously Uh, they get paid they do this job this is their living this is what they do to sustain themselves and i think there's an idea with americans 
specifically in sports, like I think a lot of people think, well, I could do that. I could be a football player. I had my chance to be a football player. That's something I could do. But these people are the best of the hypothetically the best of the best. They're paid like this is their living. Right. And you're trying to say that that's not a thing. Right. Um, And now the majority of our listeners aren't going to be professional athletes and they aren't making the same money as professional athletes. They don't have the same schedules as professional athletes. And that's what makes his quote more concerning because for a lot of people, the concept of their own time, it just isn't there. Yeah, it doesn't exist. I I definitely know when I was working at least like two part-time jobs, it was like at the same time. Or even if you're working full-time and you get asked to do Stay uh, late. Yeah. Or you're working overtime, like the concept of protest on your own time, the way labor and the way working in this country is, you don't get free time. More and more, uh, our work expects us to take time out of our day to go and work on things and contribute to this. And a lot of times without pay, like the whole reason we have... Many people are tied to the job via email. You know, they're expected to respond off the clock. Yeah. And we've seen stories and oftentimes they're treated as, you know, an oddity in the media where a country like France a couple of years back, you know, banned employers from requiring workers to respond to emails off the clock. And this is thought of, oh, those crazy French people. But this is a real benefit for workers who no longer feel, you know, pressured by their boss even after they've punched out. Well, the, the, it gets away from this whole idea of the, the, the eight-hour workday, which is something mm-hmm. that labor unions fought for back in the day, was because before there, you'd have 10, 12, 14-hour workdays and people didn't have free time to do right. anything. And even now, if you're working an eight-hour day, you come home, you make dinner for your family, that's a sort of work, though you aren't getting paid for it. You know, There's more work to be done outside of when you clock in and when you clock out. At risk of accidentally stumbling into philosophy and all sort of what is time. It's like time is something we need to survive. Yeah. We need the time to take care of ourselves. We need the time to take care of the people we care about. We need time mm-hmm. to sleep and recover yeah. from injuries. The other thing I would say is that um, this concept of protesting on your own time, there, there's two problems with it. One, obviously, what we've talked about is you're losing more and more of your time to the company's time. And that's mm-hmm. a problem where there's no they're trying to break down the separati- separation between you and working for them. Correct. So not only is it that they... Uh, you're having to work for them more and more out of your own time. It's that your time isn't yours anymore. You have to give all this stuff to the company. And the other side of it is the idea of protests or speaking out or free speech or political action needs to have an audience. And in particular, this is what's evident in the NFL. I mean, Kaepernick took a risk. He Mm -hmm. presumably knew when he started doing this that it would cost him a lot. And it has. And it has. And, um... But it was the way, the time, the way he risked everything to do this because he knew people would notice. Right. Uh, Essentially, protest doesn't work unless people can see it. Yeah. Uh, That and you have to do something, too, that gets people talking. If you just stand there with a sign that says, this is bad, that's not enough. Right. If you're standing in the middle of traffic saying, this is bad, that's something that's maybe (laughs) a bad example. But do you think... I don't think, from what I've seen, the other NFL players, all these NFL players that are taking a knee in solidarity, when people stand up together the way they've been doing now, it's a lot likely, less likely that any one of them is going to suffer the consequences because there's... Solidarity. Yeah, the concept of solidarity is working together. And that's it's another thing to talk about is that not having the right to speak out 
can also turn into the right not to talk to the people you're working with. Um, and this is something I experienced when I worked for a large package uh, shipping company who I will not name, but had a particularly non-union stance. And the, it, it became that the bosses didn't want us to talk to each other or to talk to the people who we worked in the work. The job I did was working on the war, warehouse floor, uh -huh. sorting packages and all of that. They didn't want us talking to the drivers because the conditions for the drivers were so much worse. Right. And I, they, the reason they put pressure on us not to do that is because of the fear that unions would be a thing. Right. And I've heard, I don't know if you've heard this, about how Walmart employees have a special panic button for if somebody comes up to them and mentions the word union. Oh, my God. That, that, this is a good point, um, too. Like, I worked for a rather large um, gas company, who shall remain unnamed, but I was an overnight attendant at a gas station. And little did we know, or little did I know going in, there was a microphone in the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And presumably it was there, part of it was a safety thing. Like I can understand the justification in that if someone comes in and tries to rob the store, having the audio of that encounter is an important thing. Right. Um, but what I didn't know is it wasn't just getting shipped off. The audio wasn't just exported out to wherever security, and security was in whatever clandestine, unwindowed building. It was also something that my boss uh, went to my boss, and he actually listened through every day, which was... How did he have the time? I think he fast-forwarded through the parts that were silence, for one. Okay. It was a lot easier on the overnight. I, like, he specifically did it to the overnight shift for some reason, and okay. there was a lot of time, and the back room wasn't recorded, so if you had a conversation, you either went there or outside mm -hmm. to have a smoke or something like that. But... The whole threat is if you so much as mentioned a union, you knew you were going to be in trouble. And if even if it came up in a conversation, like someone happened to say the word union, mm -hmm. completely irrelevant of like having a labor aspect. If someone was talking about, say, Union Street, mm -hmm. you'd just see everybody who worked there tense up a little. That's an interesting point with the uh, the microphone at, at your workplace because, I mean, a lot of workplaces, they have cameras they that watch over workers and ostensibly these are also for security reasons but they are also used to make sure that workers are doing what they're doing and the feeling of being surveilled at work can be off-putting and uncomfortable for a lot of workers and this is sort of a way that bosses impose control on their workers because they don't want their workers to unionize and it it helps the boss when workers can't talk to each other that's yeah. what it does and uh, we will talk about more of the ways in which it helps the boss after this break. This is Punching Out, a project of the Punching Out Collective, and we want to hear about the struggles you face as a worker. You can tell us your stories by sending an email to punchingoutwayo at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook, and we're on Twitter, at punchingoutwayo. Tune in and punch out. Your boss isn't listening, but we are. Hello, and welcome back to Punching Out. So where we left off was talking about uh, the difficulty of, you know, being able to unionize if your boss is suppressing speech. And the reason I bring this up is because it's not just uh, the danger of uh, censorship from your bosses, from workplaces and Regarding all. political speech. Regarding political speech. Well, that's what I was going to say, is it doesn't just... That censorship, the danger of that censorship doesn't just stop at political speech either. Uh -huh. It starts to become safety concerns. So there's a lot of ways, you know, we talked about it, the fear of getting fired. Yes. Um, 
sometimes people are afraid to speak out about situations that are dangerous because they f- fear they're going to get fired for it. Um, and it's it's a heck of a place to be. Mm-hmm. The, the idea that like because the, the threat of being fired is there over your head, that's not just uh, you've lost your job. You, end up, you can end up seriously in the lurch. Yeah, in this country, like we talked about, healthcare is a risk. You, mm-hmm. you can't pay for healthcare. You can't pay and, for food. It, you might lose your car or your house. And these things are very much by design. They are designed to be punishing, so as to keep people in line for bosses, you know, to exploit. Yeah, and that becomes the problem: is you need the job to survive. But there's times where that starts to directly butt up against the fact that you need to speak out about something that is putting you directly at risk. Mm-hmm. One of the things, it, if you go back in history, NASA's got this infamous problem with something that they call go mentality, which is the idea of we set a date, we launch by that date no matter what. And that is a huge, huge problem. Here's why. Back in the 1980s, uh, one engineer started to point out, hey, we don't have experience what, with what happens with these O-rings when they go under a certain temperature. It looks like they fail. And NASA was like, okay, good, whatever. The problem with this was uh, the Challenger launch. Challenger right. was set to launch on a certain day, and the day before, Florida had a weird cold snap that put it down to like the 30s Fahrenheit, mm-hmm. which was in the range where those O-rings started having problems. And the guy was trying to say, don't go ahead with this launch. And it ended up just getting, he ended up getting swept under the rug. I don't think they directly put pressure on him, but indirectly this whole idea of go mentality go mentality meant that the safety concern was not addressed. And we obviously know what happened with the, the Challenger. Yes, tragically. Um, and this is not a unique thing to NASA, and they think it also might have contributed to the next one, the Discovery disaster as well. Mm-hmm. It's not just NASA. It's this whole corporate environment of got to get things done. It doesn't matter what the risks are. is a dangerous thing and probably an episode of the show all in itself. But if an employee is bringing up a risk, it's, they're bringing it up for a reason. Um, people, Several people brought up to the government of Japan that there was a lot of issues with the way – uh, the Fukushima nuclear plant. Yeah, well, not just that plant, but several other plants were not being taken care of because everybody, uh, like the safety concerns with them not, were not being taken care of because everybody on their nuclear regulatory board were CEOs and high-up people in the nuclear energy companies. And workers were sort of afraid to bring up these problems for fear that they would blow yeah. back on themselves. Well, even some of the ones that did got canned. Mm-hmm. Like and this has happened. It probably happened in that's a bunch. Why of we the, have whistleblower laws? Yeah. in theory. In like, theory, and that's the the fact that those laws exist should tell you. It's like speaking out politically is is something that everybody has a right to. But when corporations, when businesses, when managers have that climate of if you say certain things, you'll get fired. It creates problems. It creates problems because and people dangerous are dangerous ones. Yeah. And the other part of it is, and this is spinning it back towards unions too, is it is so much more difficult to speak out if you're alone. I have experience in this Definitely. directly in several places, and I'm, I know I'm not the only one. I don't have to tell mm-hmm. stories about it because everybody's had that one. If everybody works together and brings a problem to the boss, it's a lot different. And that was yes. the whole – that's one of the things that unions are there for is so that – Right. It's one of the – like. Features of the system, in a way, is that workers alone have very little power to speak, to do much of anything. Yeah. If a worker threatens to, you know, leave the job, boss says, okay. If a union of workers, of a group of workers, 
says we want to walk off the job, that's a strike and it shuts down the business. Yeah. Or at the very least leads to management showing their true face with strike breakers and things like that. But yeah, it's this idea that, and that plays into something else you mentioned earlier. I don't remember whether it was on the air or not, but the idea too that um, you can leave a job whenever you want. We've talked about why that isn't true. Mm -hmm. Because Um, of the failure of our social safety net as a country. Yeah. And the idea that like you can just find a job and, and no... It's it's difficult yes, sometimes. Very, and that's how, especially like the idea that you can just retool into some other career halfway through your life is how we ended up with things the way they are here in the Rust Belt. Yeah, no, it's um, definitely an issue where you know, for many people, being fired from the job or like the idea of quitting their job, they would feel very much lost. I know you know people who are middle aged; they've worked one job, you know their entire career more or less because they were of that last generation where you could work a job your entire career. And the thought of leaving that job or of being laid off would leave them feeling in many ways left out of the economy. Their skills haven't adapted to what the modern economy demands, we are told. And it creates this sort of class of people in a way that are dislocated. Yeah. Left behind. Yeah, this whole region of the country in many ways. It's, yeah. You see it with drug use and suicides and on all, the rise. And all sorts of other things, too, like the disrepair of roads and all of this other stuff. It's like when those industries disappeared, it wasn't just people that got hurt. It was the communities, too, because mm-hmm. businesses got taxed. That's part of where revenue comes from, to repair roads and everything else. Mm-hmm. Businesses have power. There's a a recent book by Elizabeth Anderson who... It's called private government, and in many ways it compares the power of businesses to government. She writes that for most people, the largest threat to things like their free speech, their free movement, is not you know the president, it's not Congress, it is their boss. For eight hours a day, more, as we've discussed earlier, people are under threat from a boss who isn't democratically accountable, who doesn't have to answer to questions, who has control that we would think is tyrannical of a government, but is more or less accepted without question from, you know, employers and bosses. You know, we have given them a power that I don't think anybody, if you laid it out like this, would be willing to agree to in the abstract. In this country, we often talk about censorship as something the government does. But uh, there's a sort of censorship that exists among working people who are censored by their bosses, even if they don't necessarily think of it that way. There are things they won't say online, things they won't say in the workplace because they fear retribution from their boss. They fear being fired, unemployed, unable to make their ends meet. We know people who online, their social media partisans, they use fake names, pseudonyms, because they worry about Either their current employer, you know, seeing the things they talk about online, whether that's politics or anything else, or future employers seeing those things. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, um, is this constant threat of getting fired for something you've done. And, like, not only the idea of, like, that unemployment is a punishment, Mm -hmm. but that it's this constant threat that's hanging over your head. Like, the original protest, Colin Kaepernick, he was fortunate enough to be in a place where he had 
An audience. An audience, and also enough financial stuff to last after that. But Mm -hmm. the threat of unemployment for a lot of other people is something that, you know... It paralyzes them. Yeah. A lot of us live paycheck to paycheck. If Mm -hmm. you don't have the money coming in from your job that you work, you could end up losing your car, your house. You might not have food. Mm -hmm. Like there's... Or medicine, especially, is a problem in this country, too. Another thing to talk about is the risk of, um, for, say, undocumented workers, too. Oh, definitely. If, because there's the chance um, that if you speak out, it's not just that you'll get fired. It's, you can be deported. Yeah. Um, there was a recent article from NPR which discussed this. People who got hurt at work and applied for workman's compensation, which is a fund for people who get hurt at work because we don't have universal health coverage, yeah. they were then targeted and deported by ICE. I'm going to read from this article now. In the past few months, a Massachusetts construction worker who fractured his femur when he fell from a ladder was detained by ICE shortly after meeting with his boss to discuss getting help for his injury. In Ohio, Republican lawmakers pushed a bill that would have barred undocumented immigrants from getting workers' comp. It passed the state's House of Representatives before stalling in the Senate in June. And what this suggests is that employers are using the undocumented status of their workers to further exploit and abuse them. They, because they are, you know, not documented, they don't have to be paid minimum wage. They can be, if they get hurt and apply for... for, Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what this is for, is to dodge having to pay for the injury. Right. In the most inhuman and, frankly, kind of sick way I can think of. Right. These people are doubly threatened, not just by the thought of being fired, but by being deported. It is, you know, not just, you know, a carrot and a stick. It is two sticks. One of the things to talk about, too, is that, you know, why do these bosses, these restrictions don't apply to the bosses. Like, you can't call on your boss. And that's something I think we can talk about more after the break. You're listening to Punching Out on WAYOLP Rochester, 104.3 FM. Punching Out is a project of the Punching Out Collective. Tune in and punch out. Your boss isn't listening, but we are. Welcome back again to Punching Out. So before the break, we were talking about the power that bosses have to punish people. For speaking out at work. For speaking out at work. And even from that, it should be apparent that there's this big disparity, right? Because more often than not, um, we see higher-ups, we see bosses and all of that, able to punish workers for speaking out. But if they speak out about their views, there aren't always consequences. Correct. In a way, free speech is operates on a two-tier system in this country. If you have money, you are free to speak out as you please. If you do not, your speech is limited by your willingness to suffer through unemployment, being fired, and the many indignities of life under capitalism. Yeah. Um, That's exactly it. The fact that you, to speak out, you might end up unemployed. It's always, it's you versus them. Uh And that's the way a lot of things work. It's just, and you see there's all these different times when, especially, I mean, this is difficult for us to have real gravitas and mm-hmm. talking about, but like if there's a case of sexual harassment, more often than not, the people who speak out about it are punished, and the people who speak out 
in favor of it, speak out in, uh, to defend the people who have supposedly harassed people. Mm-hmm. Yes. They just get off the hook. Or talking about how, you know, a boss says, oh, if you wear that pin, you're going to get fired or something, and then they'll just put Trump signs or whoever right. on the side of the building. I hope people understand that in this election when they said they hope that the government's run like a business, when you see people like Tom Price spending mm-hmm. all this money or all of this stuff where they're just repeatedly abusing power, you're getting exactly what it's like when government is run as a business. Right. Because Businesses are not democracies. Yeah. There, people don't in business at the higher end, more often than not, do not get held accountable for their actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, more often than not, if a company's not doing well, a CEO can still walk away with a million-dollar parachute. He's not – his success, his wealth – I say he. That's part of another part of the problem as yeah. we think of it that way. But a person – a CEO's uh, success or wealth or all of that is not necessarily tied – to the success of the company. To the success of the company. And in that way, they also get very removed from the consequences of their actions. Right. And we see golden parachutes and an unwillingness even by the government to prosecute people for this fraud and the various white-collar crimes that harm more people than, say, the crimes that lead to people going to prison. Yeah. And... So this this whole like stratification of society, these th- levels of class that start to exist, mm-hmm. mean that people don't have like free speech is just tied into all of that. You don't have a right to speak out against these people. Never mind right. speak out politically about anything. If you speak out about your bosses enough, mm-hmm. it can get you fired. The power is in their hands, and if they speak out about how they don't like their workers or how oh, I'd, I'd fire those sons of bees as whatever uh, El Capitano Chumpstein said himself. Like, there's no blowback for that. There's right. no... And even in the system, when it was... I think it was it wasn't United. United has this thing where someone gets dragged off their fight by the police, mm-hmm. right? And their stocks take a little bit of a dip, but it, it goes back to what it was. Mm-hmm. American Airlines, I believe it was, uh, said that they were going to start paying their workers more than... And- the, the the profits first were going to go to make sure their uh, workers were covered before shareholders. And their stock just went through the floor. <laughs> right. There are many ways of um, punishing those who would help workers yeah. and, you know, rewarding those who would help themselves. Yeah. The biggest crime that was committed in this country was uh, separating wealth from labor and from material things where mm-hmm. – Things like the stock market where you can just gain wealth regardless of whether you've ever actually contributed to it and regardless of how the people doing the labor are treated. Yeah, that's in many ways an endemic problem with the system. We do not value labor. Yeah, We exploit labor. The product of labor is, you know, it goes largely to the bosses, the CEOs, and workers are forced to fight for what remains. Yeah, and two and the the even stranger and sicker part of it too is that the boss is not even necessarily the owner. Like the boss gets a good cut, but mm-hmm. owners too there is a, a removal there from responsibility from the workers. Like that's the manager's problem. They got to make sure that the employees are treated it's not the owner's problem, but that's wrong. Mm-hmm. That's not yeah. how the system should work. To twist words a bit, when we talk about free speech, your speech is quite literally free if there is no money behind it. If there is money behind it, your speech carries weight 
and power that it does not if it comes from you or me. Yeah. It's no secret that the wealthy have more influence in our society, in our politics, and it stems from that imbalance in the workplace that leads to wealth going towards the top and away from those who do the work. Yeah. It's a it's a double sort of thing too, right? Because the 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 way the capital exists, the way people have wealth and power, that allows them to influence the resources they have too. Mm-hmm. And it's people and the people who do the work to build those resources still get the short end of the stick. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a good place as any to wrap up. Yeah, uh, I hope you've enjoyed listening to us today, and uh, I hope you'll listen to us again next week. I'm Ryan Brister. And as always, you can call me Kadejo. This was Punching Out. You've been listening to Punching Out. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at Punching Out Wayo. Email us your work stories, complaints, and struggles to punchingoutwayo at gmail.com. Punching Out is a project of the Punching Out Collective. Our producer is Ryan Brister. Music for Punching Out is provided by Ariel Cruz. Tune in next week for more Punching Out. And remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are.